Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby. When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you, you, you pushed him to do other things outside his box. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Hey, what's up, guys? Coming up next, we got Terrell T. Mac McIntyre. God from North Carolina went to Clemson for his college career. Uh, had a great career at Clemson. In our interview, we talk about um, a lot of things about being a, 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 a smaller guard and, and finding your way um, to make things happen. And that's what he did in his whole career um, professionally as well. So um, um, great interview talking about the trials and tribulations of being a student athlete. I enjoyed it as well. Um, let's get into the interview. I can take up too much of your time. I appreciate you coming through. Yeah, you know? yeah, no problem. For sure, for sure. We try to, uh, you know what I'm saying, just like you say, give uh, give good information to the audience and the people that's 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 coming up through this game, man. You know, you got pioneers like ourselves that that did it. And, uh, you know, the things don't change, but just to get information on how to do it. So uh, I appreciate you you coming on, bro. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Thanks, thanks for having me, man. For sure. <clears throat> so we get right and started, man. So um, you, you're from the North Carolina area, right? Um, um, tell us a little bit about you know you're coming up the parks and rivals, and you know when you when you start putting this thing in, in, in into the hole, man. Man, I was young, man. Uh, I came up uh, my neighborhood. I was kind of one of the youngest guys, so um, my older cousin. He would never let me play, you know, with, with them, you know, them boys. So um, I ended up uh, getting a chance to play. I probably was like seven or eight, you know, and they was like 11 or 12, you know, sure. they was like four or five years older. So I was always the young guy and it, it made me tougher. You know, that's what that's where I really got my start and my competitiveness from uh, growing up in the neighborhood where, where older guys beat me up. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So you did? Did you do some um some park and recreation, or what? What type of uh a setting? Yeah, did I didn't. I I really was baseball early. Okay. Uh, at that age, I was more into baseball. Um, I didn't really play organized basketball like in a game till I probably was like twelve or thirteen. Right. You know, and I didn't really play. I didn't really play parts and rec basketball. We didn't really have it in my city at the time. Uh, baseball was a big thing, and football. So we did that. Um, basketball, um, I might have been, I might have been ten or eleven, um, but right. I can't remember the exact age. But, but it was, it was uh, older than what the kids thought now for sure. That you know, it, basketball. When I played organized, that was the third sport that I played organized. And I already played pop one of football, little league baseball, t-ball, baseball. I had already did a, the team sport and other and other sports, but I never, I never did organized basketball until I was a little older. And that's crazy that you said it. And that's the whole reason why 
you know, prevention versus treatment, right? Here you've been through three sports and in your last sport, you was the most effective in that sport, but didn't have those, those training, didn't have that, that support system, that ground system in the intermediate years, right? And, yeah. you know, just, just think if you had that, um, that if other kids have that, that support and have opportunity to play at a, a younger level, they'd be a lot more, a lot more better coming out. And that's the whole reason why we do these things, just to get these, these stories on, on how it's done. Um, so you, you got the love for basketball. You say, what you say, what, middle school, you, you would say? Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably it was middle school for sure. Okay. For sure, because I was baseball. Um, right. uh, I, I played basketball, like, in the park, <laughs> you know, in sure, the neighborhood, sure. but I never played organized. For it sure. wasn't until middle school, junior high, till I really started to be on the team, on my junior high team. And then I started to get to feel like, man, I just love the feeling of being an underdog. And I'm, sure. you know, with being small, I was always the smallest one on the court. Right. Whereas right. with football and baseball, I blended in. It's a lot of small guys in those sports. So, right. so it wasn't nothing, nothing major, but uh, basketball, I was always the smallest one. So that I, I kind of gravitated towards that. I always gravitate towards something that makes me the underdog or not, not as successful. And people telling me what I can't do, uh, I'm a I'm a guy that, that always grew up trying to prove prove what I can do. The 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 degree of difficulty. I love to knock those downs, bro. You know. Um, so let's say, you know, in middle school, you started going to high school, and then what happened? I know that you know it clicked, you started, you know, playing, then you go into you went into high school. Uh, take us back to you know that transition and, and what happened. Did you what was your some of your adverse times and as a freshman that you had were you playing against? you know, a hot older guy that you had to wait out or you had to beat out or what that look like? Uh, I mean, I played, I played as a freshman, varsity as a freshman. Um, uh, going into my freshman year, I would go over, I was, I live right across the street from the high school. So I went over to walk over to high school and my mentor, Elgin, <laughs> actually I was in middle school finishing up my uh, junior high season and I would leave uh, uh, practice and go home, and then I would just walk over to the high school and watch the JV practice. Mm. And then uh, my mentor, now uh, Eldrin Blue, he would he started putting me in practice. <laughs> and I was in eighth grade practicing with the JV. And you know, them was all the guys that I had told you earlier that I had grew up with. It was like four or five of the guys that I kind of grew up with on that. You were team. comfortable, so I knew. Yeah. I for one, I was comfortable, but for two. <laughs> I knew I could play with him, you know. For sure. For sure. <laughs> you know, sure. so it wasn't no, no in shock or oh man, can I do it? It wasn't no confidence thing because I had played against them boys my whole life. So, so uh, playing, practicing against them, I started to separate myself as far as in the sport. And then the, the varsity coach started watching practice and saw me coming over, and he was like, "Well, who is this kid?" And he was like, right. yeah, "He's eighth grade." Right. He's like, right. what? Hey, great. He's doing out here. Like, he looked like he could play on the team right now. You know? Sure. So, sure. um, so that kind of where it started. But it was hard going into that year because then I, I played on the state games. We had state games. They didn't, AAU wasn't as big back then. Uh, so we played a lot of team, a lot of team, you doing a lot of team camps and did a lot of team things. So the team right. went to where well, they had a state games in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But we played like a lot of different high schools in, in North Carolina playing this, what they call state games in, in Raleigh and at NC State. For sure. Uh, it probably was a two or three weekend kind of deal. Um, and and that was the hard part. 
Cause now yes, I see like the level was was a lot different, and I didn't know if I was ready for that level. But I was playing against varsity guys when I was thirteen years old. You know, right. So you know, going to your high school year, um, I guess you know you started. Obviously, you played you know your sophomore, junior, senior year. Um, when it started clicking, and you that you wanted to play the next level, or did you always did you always you know thought I was still I still play all the other sports so. It wasn't like I was getting recruited in football. You played all the other sports in high school too. In high school, yeah, oh, I was getting recruited you. in football too. You know, so so it didn't really hit me like, oh, I'm I'm going to college for basketball to probably my junior year. Right, my junior year in high school, I had already played two years. I played varsity football, quarterback my my sophomore year. Uh, so it was it was up in the air for me. I just love sports. I didn't really. I just sure. knew I wanted to go to college and I was going to college to play something. Right. <laughs> I didn't know what it was at that time. But then uh like my I started to separate myself in basketball uh my junior year. Cause I started playing AAU uh going into my junior year. So getting a taste of that, playing against all the, the top guys in North Carolina mm -hmm. and going to these different individual camps where I started to see that I was really, you know, could could do some damage. At, at the college level, because right. I knew how, how I was doing, competing against them guys, and I was I was holding my own against whoever whoever was in front of me. And you know, I talk to a lot of guys that 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 talk about the. I don't like to say AAU T Mac. I just say travel ball because yeah. you know uh, it just is different levels, and, and I think yeah. it's a mis, it's a misconception with families. You know, they 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 playing in a in a, in a YBOA or playing in a. Uh, uh, teammate basketball tournament, but they they thinking they playing the AAU tournament. Yeah, but they're it's not the circuit. It's it's different. <laughs> it's way different, and they're averaging three different. points a game. You know, coming back and spending all this money. You know, hotels, travel, and it's you know it's really a it's not beneficial to certain families. So, what's your take on that? Um, especially being in in the on a high level coaching, we'll get to that. What's your take on that in the in the high school level of kids and and how should they uh, prepare? And involve himself into AAU slash travel basketball. Yeah, I just think I just think they need to handle their business and growing up with their with their school early. You know, I think it's too many people who, and it's a lot of kids that don't even play high school basketball that be on a travel team and, and want thinking they're going to get a scholarship. <laughs> like it don't make sense. Don't make sense. Like, you have to you have to be able to compete in your high school team, and then you get move up to the AU and, and do that, go that route. Obviously you get seen a lot more once you get on the AU circuit with a, with the circuit with the Adidas, the Under Armour, Nike and all that. But um but you gotta be you gotta be putting up numbers though. You gotta be putting up you gotta, 20 you gotta be putting up numbers to get to that level rebounds. I think, I think it's too early that guys are playing like I have a son that's uh, he's eight. I'm not letting him play no. travel ball or nothing right now because he gotta learn the game. He got to understand what it takes to to play. If he go out and just play strictly game, 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 he's not he's not working on his game. He's not he's not getting better. He's not honing in on the fundamentals, and that's what you see today. The guys come in, they be super skilled, but they don't really understand basketball, and right. they don't understand the fundamentals of the game. Right, right. And I said that in a, on a couple of times where just scoring twenty points a game, right? You know, getting two layups a quarter, right? Two layups a quarter, that's 16 points. That's And then to get your 20 points, I see players taking the three-point shot when it's 10 team fouls. 
No, you should be driving at time, getting your other full points from the line. You can be a 20-point scare, 20 score without even sweating. So, but those are things that I've learned after the fact. You know what I mean? I didn't have that, I didn't have that same concept in high school or in college because I just didn't know. Like you say, I spent most of my intermediate years just playing, 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 and never really understood and developed, you know what I mean, on a triple threat. Uh, uh, shot fake, just different things you got to build in your game when you get to the higher level. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. So, after you play that's travel ball, lost, that's one of the lost things in, in sports. And then you wait till you get to college, and then your college coaches are trying to really hone in on the fundamentals, and the kids, they haven't really done it. You know, right. everything is. Everything is what they see on TV, you know, it's not it's not realistic when, <clears throat> on the fundamental part of the game. Right. The ones that impact winning, the ones that impact playing at a high level, the ones that impact playing, having a long career, not just a, a high school or college stint, like to make a, a life career out of it. You know, them the guys that have the understanding of the game, understand like the dedication to it for the work ethic, the eating, everything that goes involved. You know, it's a total package to to make a lifelong commitment to to the sport if you want to make a career out of it. But but they have they got to have the support and have the direction. And most families don't have that. And this time, our message we got Natasha Vissa. And that's why that goal of their relationships needs to uh, to be very clear. We are, I map out the plan with parents to have like a complete game plan. I actually call it a game plan. Mm. Your sexual talk game plan. We need to cover all areas, fashion, lust, pornography, sexting. You need to cover everything to help your child to make healthy choices, okay? So, but the biggest, biggest impact that I know that works with kids that I've been working with and with myself and that my parents taught me, so I have experience in this, okay? Is to have a big why. Why do you want to have make healthy sexual choices? What's your why? Now let's get back to the interview. Um, so, you know, going back in, uh, into high school, let's say, let's go to your senior year. Um, you know, in your recruiting wars, um, before you took my spot at the Clemson, uh, where, where were, where, nah, for real, bro, I was at Folk Union, yeah, I man. Know, I remember you telling me that. I was at Folk Union, man, and um, yeah. my last three options was Clemson, uh, College of Charleston, and Wisconsin, and Wisconsin was just way cold, and then um, North Carolina A&T was Jeff Capel, but um, I wanted to stay in state, Yeah, and, uh, Rick Barnes was like, you know, man, I got this guy, Terrell McIntyre, you know, between y'all two or whatever. And I'll come to find out, you know, I mean, he made a great choice and you had a great career at Clemson, but what, what were some of your options prior to you um, uh, uh, choosing Clemson? Um, I had uh, NC State, Oklahoma, uh, Wake Forest a little bit. Um, I actually visited James Madison too, you know. <laughs> but UNC Wilmington was the first D D1 school to offer me a scholarship. Right, then I was right. Right. Uh, it was after my 10th grade year going into my 11th grade year. Right. Um, so I had I knew going in that I was going to play D1 at some point. And when I was in 11th grade, I just didn't know where. <laughs> right. But uh, my senior years when, when when everything really took off, um, my stepfather, rest in peace, he was like, um, you know, you got to put up numbers. 
And my high school coach told me too. He was like, for you to get seen by these big schools, you're already small. You gotta do something extraordinary to to sure. to for them to take a look, you know. Sure. And, and one thing I was always had a knack for scoring. So he was just like, you gotta put up big numbers. And and you know, it wasn't nothing where I went out selfishly just scoring and doing this, but you know, I was more aggressive and you know, we was winning too. And and I had some big games my my senior year, and then I started getting the big time schools coming after me. Um, visit NC State a few times. That was close. That was an hour away, so I never took an official there because I could go up there on a Saturday morning, leave and be there be there early, be there all day, and come back home. So there wasn't really no need to take an official visit to to NC State. I had already been on campus since I was in like ninth grade, <laughs> right. going to the state games. So I knew I knew the campus. You know, I, obviously, I didn't know the in, ins and outs of, of the university, but I knew I knew pretty much the, how the campus looked, the people, and how how things operated there. But so it wasn't really no need to take official. Um, Clemson actually came in late after all those guys. To be honest, um, mm -hmm. they came in after all those guys. And the one thing that that stuck out with me with Rick Barnes, he didn't promise me nothing. <laughs> you know, he was like, you know, as minutes here, you you know, you can get, I can see you playing, but it's not going to be this. Whereas other teams, oh, you're going to be the man, you're doing this, you're doing that. And I'm looking at the roster like, how? Right. You know, NC right. State telling me this, y'all got CC Harrison, Oshawa Benjamin, and, Ooh. you know, all them right. boys, you know, coming six, in. Three, six, four. six, four point guard, yeah. uh, Ash Benjamin, like, they already there, and they south, they freshmen, because I right. went, I'm, you know, I'm, not to, I was a senior in high school, them boys was freshmen. So if I right. come out, how am I gonna be the man? And they already playing big minutes as freshmen. And you know, you got those those guys. But anyway, I saw the I saw the holes in Clemson. I saw what he was trying to do. And he was new to the program and he was talking about where he wanted to take the program. And he came and he was telling me about his life, how he was you know, Lenore Ryan Division Two and worked his way up from George Mason to Providence. So, so Coach Barnes' underdog mentality, mm. um, Coach Shire underdog mentality that they had was something that that fits perfect with me. And Larry so, Shire. And, yeah, he, he was really, it didn't take long at all. Once they kind of spilled, because I, I committed to Clemson, didn't even never been to Clemson. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. And I remember Larry Shire being of a, he's a more of aggressive type guy, right? Larry Shire. Uh, I was uh, recruiting. He the one recruiting me. He was my coach. Uh, he wasn't too aggressive. Rick Barnes was way more aggressive than him back then. <laughs> Shia was uh, he was an energy, an energy, energy guy. You know, right. he, he, every time you saw him, he had great energy, and uh, and that was that was his thing. That's one thing that always stood out with me with him is is every day he's he's in a great mood and he he always has energy. What what uh what have you learned from Coach Barnes as far as you know we talk about you know coaches and and, and assistant coaching relationship with players how it's a lifelong you know bond lifelong relationship um, give me three things that um that you learn uh, from Coach Barnes and the coaching staff and how do you apply those things you know to your everyday life um for one uh, dedication that's that's the number one thing I came in out of shape uh, to Clemson. And before, you know, he kind of just talked to me about before I can even perform on the court, I got to dedicate myself to, to the game. I didn't really understand that in high school. I worked hard. I had a hard-nosed high school coach that pushed me 
and had me coming in the gym early and and you know I was a worker but I was working but didn't understand the purpose of the work you know sure. and, and coach Barnes uh dedication giving me purpose and and just the the everyday grind that you have to do to be successful uh those are the things that I, I try to instill in our players to now that it's an everyday process you know every you can't you can't wait the two weeks before before the season to think you're gonna go hard and Areas is built up, so we're working now to get ready for October. For sure, for sure. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a step by step process. You know, and I didn't, and I think that's something that that I start to understand being under Coach Barnes. So I would say that the dedication, the purpose, and then it's just the commitment to the to the grind of the of your craft. Got you. And you know, just to say some go over some just some quick facts, right quick. When I asked you about, you know, choosing a, a college to go to, like you said, you have a knack for scoring. You know, all, all I think all of our young, smaller guards do. I led the nation in free throw percentage my my senior year just because yeah. of I understood, you know, what it takes. And, and saying that, right, um, there's there were no top three sixteen teams in free throw percentage, you know, uh, uh, average. Like no top teams and no no sweet sixteen teams in the in the free throw percentage, and you figure the Michigan UCLA game, they lost by two points. That's free throws, right? So, yeah. as a player, if I'm looking at a college to go to, here's some more um, facts to look at. Um, Abram, uh, what's that guy named Max Abrams, lead the yeah. nation in scoring. Oral yeah. Roberts. Oral Roberts. J- Jalen Moore. From Oakland, lead the nation in assists. Utah Valley. This, I don't want to chop this guy's name up, but what I'm saying is like all these smaller schools, these the the the, the kids leading leading the categories in those major major uh, scoring, rebounding. So, and and I'm, I'm talking to student athletes. Everybody want to go to a place where makes them comfortable, right? But go to a place that can fit your style of play and fit what you do best because. Now, back in the days, yeah, we went to the to, to the bigger schools because the the social uh, there wasn't a social media. Now, with social media, I think you know uh, great athletes can start you know exploring a little bit more. Not to knock where you know your situation in D one, but I'm just saying for the betterment of the student athletes, start looking to places that can that can fit your molds that you fit in theirs. Yeah, I think that's one thing that 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 you know kids got to look at. Growing up, uh, the to come in like, look at the team, look at the style of play, like look at like that's what goes back to these kids just going and just looking at the ball whenever they're watching a the game and not really looking at mm. what's going on. Like Good look point. at your position. Good point. You're watching the game. Good look point. at your see what he's doing. Then see if that's something that you your game fits into that that mode. Don't look at who has the ball all the time or not, because you might not be a guy that has the ball a lot. So that might not be something that you're great at. So you don't need to look at, per se, the guy who's always handling the ball. And I think that's where it get, they get confused. And that's why you see so many kids in the transfer portal. Exactly. They go, you know, it's a lot of different influence and they don't understand to, to kind of do their due diligence and looking at, the style of play, you know, the coaching staff, what players they have, what class are the players, where they uh, are they leaving, who's in front of me, did this guy in front of me play a lot? Like, you got to analyze the team before you make a sound decision to see if you really fit into that system. 
And I think a lot of times they don't do that. And then once they get there, they're behind a senior uh, or a junior that's already proven. And they thinking they should be able to just come right in and take those minutes, which is not the case. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it's a different level playing at, at in college than it is in high school. And it's, it's a learning curve that you have to go through. Everybody goes through it, no matter if you're the top guy in the, in, in the country or you the, you know, you're a three star. It doesn't matter. It, it, everybody has that learning curve, and I think that's one of the biggest problems for kids coming in is is doing their due diligence on their end to see the style of play of the team, what guys are are there, what guys are leaving. Um, if I'm in that spot, what kind of production did the guy in my spot before me have? Like, it's a lot of things that you can look at to to make a sound decision. For sure. And um, something else I want to address and bring your attention is like, from a team standpoint, right? I think, you know, being a coach and, and being a player, every every year, our team preparation is mainly focused on player development, plays, you know, continuity, you know, uh, and conditioning, right? When you look at a business analyst that come into your company, you come to your business, and they say, well, you know, Mr. McIntyre, you, you, you know, you haven't sold these solar panels because you're not offering them in, in Florida. You know what I mean? I offer them in certain places where, you know, they, they're much more needed. Okay. Yeah. So, and I said it to say this, Hey, you got Loyola, Loyola Chicago is uh, number one in scoring defense, right? You got Gonzaga, the number one in scoring offense. So, if teams would analyze their preseason stats, far as free throw percentage, turnovers, uh, rebounds, and start putting more focuses on on the stats from the previous year, that could be more productive because teams don't win championships because of two things: defense and free throws. But do teams really focus on those things versus the personnel, the, the, the design of new play, the timeout plays, the you know the, the extra point plays? What, what's your take on that? And, and what that and is that something that's uh, that 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 could be considered? Yeah, I think I think free throw shooting is is something that that's getting lost. Uh, also, uh, I don't think you spend as much time on it. You shoot. <laughs> four or five in practice and then you expect them to shoot 90% in the game. Right. 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 <laughs> you know, sometimes that don't, that don't work. But I think, I think to your, what you were saying earlier is certain teams already have an identity in place because the coach already set the culture and has an identity. So a, a team like Loyola Chicago, you already know that coach is going to be a defensive minded coach and, and the way they play, their style of play has been consistent, uh, not just from this year, but from years in the past. So if a team is consistent like that, uh, like our team, uh, we're we're a defensive first team. You know, we're always going to grind you on the defensive end. And that's just the style of our coach. And yeah. that's where he's hanging his hats on, hat on. And and you got to know that coming in. <laughs> and I sure. think that's that's part of it is understanding the identity of a of a team, of a system. And then you kind of build around that. You all, every team has to have an identity. The ones that don't, doesn't make it far. For sure, for sure. I totally agree. Hey, what's up, guys? Check this out. If you're coming into the Charleston area, 
or maybe leaving at the Charleston area and you want to avoid long lines and be greeted by friendly, sweet people, go check out Mark over at Avis and Budget Car Rental at 7685 Northwoods Boulevard. When you go see Mark and you mention Triple Threat Podcast, you receive 30% discount on your rental. They also offer compact to large SUVs and vans to rent with quick, easy transaction. And check us out. And limited mileage on most rentals. So give Mark a call at 843-572-3190. Don't forget to mention Triple Threat Podcast. You know, your playing career, um, going to the next level, uh, what were some of your, your, your challenges? Because I know you played a little bit overseas and, you know, all that. Uh, what were some of the challenges? Did you get the agent? How, how did all those things come about? And, you know, yeah, first, uh, even because everybody wanted to play in the NBA, t- take us back to those stories on, on how, yeah, how those things happened. You know, that was the, that was the main focus, really. Um NBA. I didn't. I, I didn't think. I didn't think Europe at all. Never in a million years that I think I was gonna play in Europe growing up. I didn't know that they even had basketball in Europe when I grew up. <laughs> you know, so that was something that that wasn't really a, a thought for me uh, growing up. Even in college, until it's crazy. Until it started getting to the point <laughs> where I didn't know if I was gonna get drafted, and ended up, you know, taking advice from. Uh, people instead of making my own decision, I kind of took advice from people doing what I thought was best for me without me actually making a decision, mm. you know? And, and I think that's where I got I got kind of messed up at because I ended up going to Europe the first year not really giving my NBA dreams a chance when I first came out. Mm. I just took it as I get drafted, I'm in. If I don't, I'm not. I'm gone. Like, I didn't really give it a chance to kind of grind my way and get into the league, which I knew I could do. Uh, so I went overseas and kind of got lost in the shuffle. And then when they started the D league, the G league now, um, I came back, you know, I was a little older and it was, it was harder to get in, you know, and then too, the style of play was different back then, you know, now, you know, if I grew up now and what I did in college, I'd have been a draft pick a hundred percent, you know, because of the style of play now, the, the coaches now understanding that guys, smaller guys can play uh, at a high level and not just look at your height and automatically X you off the list because your height, you know, now it's instead of three guys, four guys in the league under five, five eleven. Now it's a, a, every team got somebody that's right at six feet or under, you know, so. And T-Mac, I mean to cut you off, but I mean, I mean to cut you off, but I just want to drive a point about the style of play. You figured it, like the the bigs are coming out to the top, the key now. There's nobody in the paint when the offense is being, you know, about offense is flowing. So yeah, that 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 dribble ball penetration, that, that, that the dribble block is huge in basketball right now. Especially if you got the bigs that can shoot the three or get to the basket. So small ball is in right now. I think the Jameer Nelsons, you know, after that year, kind of screwed us up a little because that's when. That small ball was ended. Then it's now. It's like it's it's, it's coming back. 
Yeah, it is. It is. And that's a that's a great thing to see because now you they're, they're judging you off being a basketball player and not off your size, your size uh <laughs> or anything. So they're judging you off uh you, know, you being a basketball player and how you produce on the court. You know, sure. I've never been in a situation until my last year of playing when I had a started having physical problems. Uh I always was the top one of the top guys on the team. You know, so you know, I didn't think that was going to change. Even when I was in training camp with the New Orleans Hornets, you know, I left my mark because the players respected what I did from day in and day out. My work ethic, what I was going to do, and I and I didn't back down, and I produced. You know, I, I produced wherever I played, and and that's something I can hang my hat on, even though I didn't get an NBA opportunity. For sure. Uh, you know, I didn't realize my calling was going to be Europe, you know, and, and to do some great things over there and, you know, have my daughter born there. And like, you know, I, I never a million dreams in a million years thought that my life would have turned been in that kind of direction. For sure. Sure. So what, what are some experiences that you had over there, like the culture, the food? Give me some give us some, you know, because people think, oh, you know what? I just go overseas and play. They don't understand you away from home. It's cold. You know what I mean? You don't know the language. My first, my first couple of years was probably the roughest me playing basketball because I wasn't happy playing basketball. Cause my, I was in France my first year. And this was before, you know, the social media and the internet was really what sure. it is today. The technology wasn't what it is today. So I was disconnected from the USA. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's not like I was, you know, I could look at my phone now and, and see what, and talk to Marquise Reed over in France like he's like he's here, you know. Or sure. uh, Gabe DeVoe, one of these guys that's overseas, Eli. You know, one of these guys that's over there now. I talk to him like they're here, you know. Right. Where I couldn't do that when I was when I was away, and and that was the hardest part because my body was over there, but my mind and everything else was over here in the U.S. So I kind of was like not really giving. I didn't really have the passion to play ball. Um, all I was thinking about was being home. And so my first two years as a pro was just really playing off sheer talent and not, not the dedication and the work ethic and the commitment that you need to, to be the best, sure. you know, and, you know, I was productive, but I was, I did, I could care less at that point. Cause I was just waiting on when I'm going home. You know? <laughs> so when did you, so when did things started working out? Like when, when, when start things started to click, click for me really um when I went I came home for to the D League and I played two years really I played one year we had a great year we had a really good team um then I came back and I went to training camp with the New Orleans Hornets and you know I was the last guy on the last day to get to get cut and and um and I made it through the whole training camp all the whole month <laughs> you know and um and and they told me to go back to the G League the second year because they was like, I'm, I'm so close. You know, I'm one injury away from, from them calling me up and being, you know, getting my shot. So I, I listened to them once again and, and listened to somebody mm -hmm. else. And, and, and I went back to the G League and I played that year. And then halfway through that year, I knew that, you know, man, I'm in second team all D league, I, wherever I go, I produce and I'm still not getting a look like a, right, a legitimate right. look like, okay, bring you in the camp, work out, 
not when you got one roster spot for it's 20 dudes and you sure. got three point guards already. Like that's not a that's not a real shot. Right. right. <laughs> you know, uh so so I knew that year going that I was gonna play summer league, but my whole intention of playing summer league is just to get seen by a European team. For sure. To let them know that I was back dedicated to playing and and I took that summer league serious and I ended up going to Italy, uh second division Italy actually and um and once I got over there, that's when everything started to turn for me because I started to look at Europe. I started mm. to look at Euroleague. Okay, Trajan Langdon is in Euro and in, in, in Euroleague. Start mm. start doing my research on what these guys in Euroleague and what their salaries are. You know, mm. and and I'm like, okay, if I really dedicate myself and I can work and be one of the top players over here, I'm gonna be at the top of the top in Europe. For sure. And and if I'm at the top of the top in Europe, I'm gonna be doing just as good as I, as if I'm in the NBA. For sure. You know, and so I started having that mentality and I started dedicating myself back to the game. And that's when it really took off for me. So I was I was three years removed from college before it actually clicked to, mm. to be a pro. And and everything took off from there. Every year, me and my agent um we mapped out a plan, like a, a short-term goals and then like a long-term goals, which is like five years. Uh, and we kind of mapped out my career, what we wanted to do. And every year I wanted to move up a level and that I made sure I did that. And then when I finally, after three years from being over there, I went two years in second division. Then I played in the U, uh, the ULEV Cup, which is the Euro Cup now and played well. Then I got my opportunity to go to uh, a, a really good team in, in Siena, Italy. And and we got to the Euro, we 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 won the championship and got to the Euro League. And then wow. that's when that's when everything just kind of took off. I was sure. in in Euro League and 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 did well first year, all Euro League team, first team. So I was considered the best point guard over there. Wow. Uh, if you first team on Euroleague, back then they did it by positions. They, you know, you got sure. your first team point guard, your second team point guard, first team shooting guard. So to be the first team two years in a row point guard, wow. you know, I was, I had a, a name was was big over there. And what and what was crazy, how, how things really worked, um, I was at a point over there where I was, you know, I was here, you know, and 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 then I'm, I'm getting calls from, from NBA teams wanting me to sign like minimum contracts and right, right. opportunities here. Can you come like, and because they see me playing EuroLeague and saw what I did. Like I said before, everywhere I went, I was productive. For sure. For I'm not sure. just one going to be just a guy on the team. I'm going to be one of the guys on the team. Right. So um, uh, that's when it took off. So I, it's crazy turning down opportunities in the NBA when I'm, when I'm in the height of my EuroLeague career was to show you that, I had the wrong sense of everything when I was mm. coming up. Like NBA was, uh, was the everything. Right, right, right. That's what we see every day. We don't see the all end all, right? Like it right. was everything. Like it was nothing. If you didn't wasn't there, then you was a failure. Right. You know, and I, and I and once my mentality changed from that, you know, my life and my career took off. And that's another thing about these players, like. If you're a player, you're 6'9", 6'10", and Duke or North Carolina ain't recruiting you, and you got a chance to go to Lamar and average 50, then do that, right? Because that's, yeah. you know, that's, 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 that'll that's that help your your chances of, of getting those big bucks because they're all about the stats and all about the numbers. Yeah. Um, 
so after your playing career, um, what happened? You got into to coaching. I know you're you're uh, working at uh, Clemson as a as a skill trainer right now. Yeah, I'm a play, uh, director of player development right now. Um, uh, my first when I first retired, I retired because I had a uh, I had arthritis, bilateral arthritis, and my hip was degenerating. So I had to uh, I was oh. I retired because I had to get a hip replacement. Oh. Uh, so so uh, when I retired, I kind of was. You know, still wanting to play, but knew I couldn't. So I was kind of in one of those phases where I just didn't really, you know, I was kind of depressed that I wasn't playing. Uh, I had to end my career, not because I wanted to. You know, I still sure. had the passion to play. I just couldn't. For sure. Um, uh, physically, I just, I just couldn't. Yeah, just basically wear and tear, just wear and yeah, tear just on the, the body. Wear and tear, just the wear and tear, and you know, hereditary, and it's just, it's just something that that. I had to, you know, I got advised by two or three doctors, uh, specialists that said, you know, your quality of life, it has to mean something to you because if you keep pounding and pounding for the next two years, you're going to be, you're going to be in bad shape when you're mm. older, like real bad shape. So, so I, I, I decided to, to, to shut it down and I really, really wasn't, didn't want to, but I, sure. I knew I had to and try to make the best decision I could. Uh, for me and my family. In this time, our message, we got Barrington Huntley. I do want to mention though, division two rules are a little bit different than division one. Um, I'll just go over those real quick, just yes, so sir. students can understand that. Yes, um, division, division two does have, they still, if they only have two tiers, so you have a qualifier or a partial qualifier. Mm -hmm. Um, they have the 16 core, you have to have at least a 2.2 GPA with a test score and then um, the proof of graduation. If you don't meet that, then you'll be certified as a partial qualifier. There's no non-qualifier for Division Two now. Makes sense. Makes so, um, so that's just something, something that I'll note. Now let's get back to the interview. So during that process of once I stopped, I didn't finish my degree because after my senior year, you know, I let AC and scoring, I'm all ACC again. I'm like, oh, no way I'm not getting drafted. So I kind of left school <laughs> right after the season and start, you know, trying to get, get ready for the draft. And doing that, I didn't finish what I needed to finish in the classroom for that semester. And, and it cost me it cost me uh, my degree and I ended up having to go back after I retired to, to get my degree. And, you know, I always kept in contact with the, with the, everyone at Clemson just to, you know, I didn't talk to them every day, but I just kept them out there. Just kept, kept knowing that I was alumni that was going to be kind of inquiring about what's going on in the program. So um, I always kind of showed my face here and there. Um, and I had the opportunity to go back and finish my degree. And once I finished my degree, uh, probably a year later, year and a half later, uh, opportunity came up and, and Coach Barnell called me about this position and I ended up taking it. But it, it was it was a five-year span between playing and getting my degree and, and getting this job here at Clemson. For sure. So what do you see about from the the, 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 the current players, man? Because, you know, you know, playing on the parks and playing with older people and not, I think it's the vice versa. I don't think we, ha I don't think we were as skilled 
back, you know, back then, but we had the heart and tenacity, you know, versus now I think kids are skilled, um, but but they don't have the heart. They don't have the tenacity. They don't have the, you know what I'm saying? They they just, I don't know what it's. And you know the difference, the reason for that is because just what we talked about when we grew up, we was playing against somebody. For sure. They're coming up dribbling and doing all this stuff through cones and not really going against mm. nobody. So they don't have that physicality. They don't know what it's like to lose, mm. to lose or somebody to kind of bully you at an early age or you compete and you have to win. Like they don't, they didn't have that growing up where we had that. If you lost, you wasn't playing for another two hours. There was so many people waiting to play. <laughs> so, so, so you had to compete to stay on the court and they don't have them challenges net. Uh, because they grow up doing, you know, they all go four or five guys get together and they just do workouts. They don't, right. they don't really compete against each other. And I think that's, that's why our generation was a lot tougher and this generation is a lot more skilled. I agree. Um, what's your overall philosophy of, of, of coaching in general? And, and what would you, you know, tell the, to, to, to young players in high school, you know, being a, you know, being an ACC and playing all different levels, you know, give me three things you would you would tell the young players coming up that they should, uh, you know, put into their repertoire. Uh, I just think, um, for one, the first thing I would get kids to do, and I try to start with my son, is is having them watching basketball to kind of understand basketball. You know, because now it's a lot of, with analytics and everything, it's a lot of film that goes into the game that you don't know as an early sure. age. So if you can start that early, kind of watching film and kind of dissecting how how guys score and how not. And another thing is is have it, expand your game. Don't be just a shooter. Don't be just a defender. Don't be just a, just a penetrator. Uh, don't be just athletic. Uh, I think that's one of the things that, that I like that I try to incorporate is you're going to work on all facets of your game. You got to be able to score at all three levels. Uh, You got to be able to defend. If you can be a complete all around player, then you're going to have that many more opportunities. Um, So that's probably the biggest thing right there is to make sure you expand your game and, 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 and watch the game to under, to to increase your knowledge of the game because everyone has different styles. If you understand your understanding of the games, can you can play in any system because of your understanding, you can adapt to different situations. For sure, um, you know you mentioned it, you know uh, briefly earlier about having a son, um, and and the same with my son. You know, you know I think you know we, we having sons, they're going to be you know. I'm gonna go at him really, really hard because I he's got to get the the understanding the the mental side of the game, not the athletic side, just the mental side of the game. So we do a lot of mental stimulation stuff as well. But um, you being a a, a student athlete and your know, son obviously be a, a future student athlete, what are some of your approaches and and things that you would you would have him in? Because um, we mentioned AAU and travel ball, things of that nature. Will you take a different approach, being that? You know, you see the game 360. Yeah, I mean, he was he would do all that. I mean, because you have to obviously you have to do that. You have to compete against the best to show that you're one of the best. So he would he would do that now. But I think now is at at the age now the kids at the younger age they absorb so much. You know, they retain so much information at a younger age than they do when they're older. So 
now I'm trying to just fill them up with knowledge and understanding and working on this, this move, but it's fundamental. It's not, it's not, I'm not taking them through a grown man workout at, at nine years old. It don't make sense, <laughs> you know? So I just think it's a step-by-step process to, to get a guy, get a kid ready to, to compete at a high level in high school and then on to college. And I think sometimes a lot of people skip the process of that and try to get them already. They treat a 10 year old like he's 17 already. I agree. Um, And talking about recruitment, what do you think college coaches, could be talking about small ball, we're talking about all different types of players. What's the, give me two things that college coaches would look at. Not not what to take away from the athletic part of it. Um, I hear players talk about the the energy on the on the on the bench. You know how they re, how they respond to their coaches. What are some off the court things that uh that could be um, helpful to, to 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 players being noticed by uh, recruits? Uh, for one, you're gonna ask around to the people that's around them and, and how they are as a person. Uh, you don't want nobody you can't deal with on a regular basis. You want to know if they're coachable. Cause it's gonna be a it's gonna be a lot of days where you're gonna you're gonna get coached really hard, and you have to if you want to get to the level that you you ultimately want to be at. You have to go through some some heartaches. You got to go through some uncomfortable situations. And can you are you coachable? And for one, and uh, what kind of kid are you? Are your your grades up to par? Are you are you on time? Uh, your time management? Do you do you handle your business and and that's probably the main thing, you sure. know, is, is is making sure you're getting good kids. And, and that's the one of the biggest things. If you're a kid that hangs with the wrong crowd, might not be a good situation for, for us because, you know, it's going to be – we don't have to have, worry about kids off the court. You know, sure. if we have to worry about you on the court. There's so much things going on on the, on the court. If we got to worry about you off the court when we're not around you, then – then it's going to be a bigger problem and it's going to affect you when you get ready to play on the court. Right. Characters versus character, right? He made a name for himself as a star for the College of Charleston basketball teams in the mid to late 90s. And now, Jermell President is doing what he can to make sure that the Charleston area kids have a chance to succeed on the court and in life. So I want to, you know, give some of that back to the community as well. Um, after college and after playing professionally, uh, I started the Day Foundation just to, to be that wealth of knowledge to the kids in the community and, and parents as well. College of Charleston Hall of Famer Jamel President said he saw a need for this while he was in school. So he founded the nonprofit Day Foundation. And his philosophy for success is based on what he calls his oatmeal recipe. Let's go and finish together. Basically, teaches the game of basketball focusing on skills, development, nutrition, and education. Not only SAT, ACT type stuff, but education for parents in how to navigate through the different levels of athletics. We invented something, man, called the oatmeal recipe. And oatmeal recipe is just basically skill development, education, and nutrition. And I think those three ingredients can go to, you know, any sport, any career, um, uh, business, what have you. Um, so I want to just get, you, get your input on those three things. Um, start off with skill development. And we talk about how important those things were coming in our age. We didn't have that type of skill development. Now 
you know, is, is huge. Again, you're the director of uh, personnel and doing a lot of skill stuff with, 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 with uh, students. How important is skill development to you, not only from, um, from an athletic point, from, but from in, in life and skills as well? I think, I think it's, it's huge. I think that's the, one of the biggest parts of being a successful uh, player or being successful in anything is honing in your, on your craft when it's time to, to work on your craft. The off season is for, for expanding, expanding your game, really honing in on what you do well, but really trying to improve on, on some of the weaknesses that you don't have. Because in season, it's hard to really skill develop to improve and expand your game. You have to do game specific stuff because your time is, is, is so valuable and so short that uh, the biggest part of your skill development is going to be in the off season. Mm. So I think that's a huge part of it because you have to have your expand your game. And like I said earlier, uh, the skill development helps you to to be able to do different things at a high level. And what it also does is, if you know you put the work in with your skill development, the shots that you take, the moves that you make in the game, you're confident to make make those moves, you're confident to make those shots because you put the time, effort, and energy in it to improve and, and develop those, those parts of your game. Yeah, yeah muscle memory. Um, you mentioned something earlier about uh, you not being in shape when you, you, know, when you first got to school. Um, in nutrition, is a, is a big part of that. I, I say all the time, I hate to see athletes at these uh, travel AAU games with Skittles and McDonald's and just not having the right proper nutrition um, in their body. Um, how important is that to you? And um, um, how do you apply nutrition to not only yourself, but your the current student athletes? Uh, it's, it's, it's huge. Um, the, the, the reason is I didn't understand it until I, you know, was in college or was I was a pro. And that's where I want things to change where you teaching these kids at a younger age, high school kids, like it's hard to teach an eight year old, but uh, a kid that's in high school, you start to develop those habits of making sure your body is right. And, and that's nutrition is a huge part to keep you, your body working at a level that you can compete. And for one, it prevent injuries. They prevent a lot of injuries. Um, uh, and and just trying to teach our guys today, we have a, a great nutrition staff that I'm not a part of. Uh, that's not not my thing, but I do talk to them about the importance of, of eating right, what you put in your body, because uh, that's what fuels your body to perform at a high level. You might perform now good, but what if you was in, in great shape? Right. Then right. you're gonna perform great. You know, so that's the things I'm trying. That's the message I be trying to get to our athletes is make sure you're taking care of your body. Make sure you're putting the right things in your body because all the work that you're doing, your body has to recover. Your body has to have energy. Your body has to be be functioning to play at a high level. And and nutrition and taking care of your body, rest, all that is a major factor uh, in you playing at a high level, not just the skill work, not just the, the reps of getting on the gun and shooting. Uh, nutrition, resting, uh, taking care of your body is go hand in hand with all the other stuff. Um, and lastly is, new, is uh, education. 
Um, and you said earlier about, and I think we, we're all guilty of it, making decisions based on listing somebody we trust versus doing our due diligence. Um, the other thing is too, even from the sport of, uh, we playing the sport or not, but not understanding the rules and regulations, like not taking a three-point shot when it's 10 team fouls, you know, just, just small things like that. How important is education, um, not only from the, from a sport aspect, but off the court and how do you, uh, how do you apply it every day? Yeah, I think I think it I think it's huge. Like I said, I think that's one of the biggest problems with uh, the kids today. You know, they they're super skilled. The education and understanding uh, is is where it's taking a step back, in my opinion. For sure. Um, what do I do about it? It's really nothing I could do about it, but kind of uh, get with them. And obviously they watch film and, and do that, just be that part of it. Um, but in an everyday life, education is huge. Um, because once you once you feel like you can't, you, you don't have no more to learn than you done. That's in anything you do. I don't care what field you're in, if you're the top of the top, if you feel like you can't improve and get, get educated and you know it all, then you know where to go, but down. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not gonna gonna end well for you. So um I just think whatever profession you in, continue to learn different ways to to improve yourself, uh, to improve your knowledge, to improve your skills. If you in you always got an improving mindset and a growth mindset, then then you're gonna continue to to get better and move from you know ACC to pro or from this job to CEO or whatever the case may be, getting a raise in your position. Like if you got a growth mindset and you, you're really dedicated and really take the time to to educate yourself on the things, then then you have a chance. Good point. Good point. Uh, well, last T Mac, last question, last topic is you know, athletes are starting to um, get paid a little bit. I was kind of use their liking, you know, use their image. Um, we didn't have that back then. I mean, um, we missed out on that. Well, they, still, they still don't have it now, so it's <laughs> they trying to get it, but it's not it's not really approved yet. Um, but they do have a uh, different things that that they do that they do get that we didn't get in college. Sure. You know, they sure. get a lot. You know, they get meal plans, stipends, and cost of attendance, and right, you know. Right. You know, we only got a Pell Grant. Other than that, we ain't getting nothing unless we went on the road and got ten dollars for <laughs> per diem. You know, exactly. that was it. Exactly. Well, no, and, and I just wanted to get your take on that. I know it's not in you know in stone yet, but at least they're talking about it. And I think that athletes, you know, should. I think it's a misconception that you know we we shouldn't get um, assistance because you know we're getting a free ride. You know, I think that's not true because we're actually still doing the work as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's. I think uh, when they when they do decide, I'm for the name, image, and likeness, 100. Um, percent Being a former uh, student athlete, I understand the struggles. For sure. You know, um, whereas other other people can do certain things that that are regular students, they could be on a full ride scholarship, <laughs> and they could they could do they could do whatever they want. You exactly. know, so you playing basketball or football or wherever sports, golf or soccer whatever the case may be you playing that sport just because you playing that sport means you can't do those other things right I mean, right dedicate i'm sure somebody that's on a full ride scholarship for academics doesn't spend as much time 
as a student athlete does and, and <laughs> with their team, I can tell you that. Exactly. <laughs> They're not spending that much time on the academics compared to what these guys are spending on a day in and day out basis. And regenerate uh, and regenerating income. Generating a lot of income because and it would be more if if the NCAA didn't put stipulations on the many hours you could do <laughs> per yeah. day or per week with a <laughs> with your team because if it, if they didn't have that stipulation then you would still do way more <laughs> than what you're doing now and then what yeah. you're doing now is still a lot so I'm 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 one that's that's for the name image and lightning I think I think they deserve because uh, especially the the you bring you bring in so much money for the school the school does a lot for you as well but uh, everybody should be on an even even playing field, no matter what kind of scholarship you're on. I totally agree. I totally agree. The big guy, man, I appreciate you, man. It's been nice talking to you, finally meeting you, finally talking to you. Um, thanks for the thanks for the knowledge, man. Thanks, Dude, for man. Sorry we couldn't connect earlier, man. We was in the the grind of season then with the COVID, man. It was one probably one of the toughest years. Uh, <laughs> been back Clemson four years doing this, man. This was by far the the toughest, longest year uh that you can have so i'm uh, glad we got a chance to connect man i, I wish we could have did it through, through during the season but glad we got a chance to do it now uh but yeah good nice meeting you man i appreciate everything i see you doing good things and i yeah. keep, keep up the good work appreciate you big guy you're gonna enjoy them kids man and you know so we, we'll catch up soon oh yeah oh yeah spring break time man so i was able to get a couple of days off from work so i'm gonna just kick back a little bit that's what's up that's what's yeah. up. We'll enjoy it, man. Have All a good right. All right, man. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Talk to you. Later. All right. So there it goes, guys. Another one in the books. That's T-Mac talking about his career at Clemson um, and um, just his whole uh, ways from getting from high school to college and playing the next level. Great stories. Uh, coming up next, we got Natasha Vissa. I'm um, going to talk to us about uh, sex and student athletes, how important it is, how to deal with the different struggles, um, finding your why, and uh, making healthy, healthy decisions. All right, we'll be right back. What Jermel is doing with Today Foundation and the approach he's taking to help develop young athletes, first of all, getting them prepared from the academic standpoint, which, as you know as well as I do, Bobby, that's the most important element to try to get them to eat healthy, to be able to train properly, to get the proper education, and then hopefully for those who are talented enough to have a chance to move on to perhaps even get a free education by going off to college. But I love what Jermel is doing. It's a wonderful program. Hopefully more people in the community will get behind it and some of the businesses involved as well to help sponsor this program because these are the kind of things that every community needs looking out for the best interest of the youth the future of this country is in our youth and everything that we can do to help prepare them better for that is absolutely wonderful and and i can't express adequately enough my admiration and respect for what jermel is doing and hopefully he'll get a lot of help from a lot of people you can follow us on facebook and instagram at jamel president and on twitter at president jamel Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. New York City.